Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Hebrews chapter number 11. First of all, Exodus chapter 2. I'm reluctant in a way to, on a Mother's Day, use this particular lady in Scripture or mother in Scripture because she has been so many times used as an example of motherhood. But I couldn't get away from it, and perhaps we will bring something from the Word of the Lord that will be a little bit new or different way of looking at it. I want the Lord to help us today. Amen. Exodus chapter number 2 and verse 1, And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son, And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein, and she lay it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off, to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked alone by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid, maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews children. Then said the sister to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said, excuse me, unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it, and the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses and said, Because I drew him out of the water. Let's look at Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, 
choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt or in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. I want to use these texts this morning in the story of this godly mother, and I'll entitle this today, A Magnificent Model of Motherhood. A Magnificent Model of Motherhood. I want the Lord to help us and bless in the remainder of this service and touch people's hearts and even challenge us today. How many wants to be challenged by the Word of the Lord? Come on, how many come hungry for the Word of the Lord? Why don't we lift up our hands once again to the Lord right now and let's pray together that he would bless in this service and have his way. Jesus, we thank you, God, so very much for the very opportunity to be in your house and your sanctuary today, worshiping you. I pray you would help us anoint, bless in the remainder of this service your word to every heart, every individual here. You know the needs of this congregation. I pray that you would bless accordingly. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. <clears throat> the man Moses is no stranger to any one of us that have even slightly perused the Bible. Moses towers like a titan across the expansiveness of Scripture. He is mentioned in 784 verses of the Bible, Moses is one of the greatest men that God ever made, one of the great leaders of Scripture. And many times when people are teaching leadership from a biblical perspective, they always go back to this biblical example of Moses, a tremendous man, a tremendous leader and influencer of people. He is known as the emancipator and lawgiver of Israel. He is known as a scholar. He is known as a soldier, a statesman, a saint, a songwriter. In fact, he wrote the very first song that we see in Scripture. However, with all of these accomplishments, and there's many more that could be attributed to him this morning, the credit really has to be given to his godly mother. Abraham Lincoln once made the statement, all that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. He also is quoted as saying, no man is poor who has a godly mother. And how many could attest to that here this morning? That no one is poor who has a godly mother. So I want to examine just for a moment the backdrop of Moses' story. Many times we speak about Moses and his accomplishments and we talk about the deeds and the acts that we find in his life and we always point to certain aspects of his character and extol them. But I wonder if this morning we couldn't go back a little further into the foreground of this man, this great man of Scripture and look at what caused him to become what he was able to become and what could be attributed to him being able to accomplish what he was able to accomplish. 
Before Moses was born, Pharaoh, as you know, made a decree. He set out an edict that every male child born to a Hebrew mother would be cast into the river Nile. And this was Satan's strategy to prevent the ultimate will of God. And I'm sort of jumping ahead in my message, but you can tell by reading all the way over there in the book of Hebrews, which is well into the New Testament, that the decisions and the choices that were made at this time had an impact upon the future. And that's really something that I want to point out here this morning. She realized that this was an effort by Pharaoh to intimidate. And undoubtedly there were many mothers in Israel that recoiled, that were reluctant after Pharaoh made this decree. They were reserved. They lived in timidity. Uh, they lived under the threat and the fear of if they had a baby, if they had a son, it was a risk and this child could be slain and thrown into the river Nile. But in spite of the king's commandment, as the scripture says, or the decree of Pharaoh, I want to make this first point, that is that Jehoshaphat, she had Moses. She had Moses. In other words, she chose to live in faith and not fear. And I think that's a very important point. And I want to make application there for you and I today. I want to, I want to speak to us and particularly to our mothers here this morning that it is vitally important that we never allow the enemy to cause us to shrink back in timidity and fear and quit living in faith. For the Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith. It also tells us and admonishes us that we walk by faith and not by sight. And without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So faith will be rewarded. Faith that is stood for. And sometimes we, we talk about faith and, and we dress it up in our preaching, in our, in our exhorting people and admonishing people. We make faith out to be something that is easy and, and just believe God. But sometimes faith has to stand some test. Sometimes faith is looking into a situation that is less than favorable and standing firm and believing God and saying, I'm going to trust the Lord in spite of what I see, in spite of what may be going on currently in my life, in spite of my surroundings and the environment that I'm in, I am going to stand strong and believe God. F.W. Borum, he was taking a survey of the year 1809 this, stands, this year stands midway between two significant battles, the Battle of Treflagar, which destroyed the naval might of Napoleon, and the Battle of Waterloo, which destroyed the military might of Napoleon. And so this was a very traumatic year 
for the world. Matter of fact, the world was transfixed on this battle or war that was going on. And nobody, perhaps, was thinking of babies. Yet in that single year, 1809, Gladstone was born in Liverpool. Tennyson was born in Summerby. And Holmes was born in Massachusetts. Lincoln was born in Kentucky. So history records that the babies that were born in 1809 far impacted the world more than the battles that were fought then. Because there was somebody that refused to live in fear. There was someone that refused to live in timidity and live under a siege but had faith for the future. I laughed yesterday. I was talking to a good friend of mine and I said, Shannon, where, where you at? And he said, well, I'm in academy. I could hear a lot of back, background noise. And uh, he said, uh, I'm in academy. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm buying some fishing hooks. I said, have you looked outside? I said, have you seen the effects of the wind and all the rain we've been having? There's not much fishing going on today. And he said, yeah, but you got to understand, I'm not thinking about today. I'm thinking about when the sun is going to shine again. I'm thinking about the opportunities of the future that I'm going to have to go out and uh, cast my line and catch a fish. Uh, he understood something. There is a difference between weather and climate. Weather is temporary. We all experience bad weather, been experiencing quite a few bad days of weather here recently but thankfully that's not the climate around here thankful that there's days that alternate between rain and sunshine and sometimes when it's dry outside and we need rain we're praying for it it's not been a whole lot of that lately but uh, uh, nevertheless there'll be days when we we pray for rain but aren't you thankful that the climate uh, overall isn't just one way but the weather is going to change if you just consistently stay faithful and that's the way it is as a child of God having faith and living for God is that you've got to understand that what I'm going through is the weather but the climate tells me that if I keep holding on in faith if I keep believing the word of God weeping may endure for a night but joy is coming in the morning I may be walking through a valley right now, but I know that one of these days, if I keep walking, I'm going to know what it is to shout on the mountaintop of victory. I'm so thankful that I can report to this congregation this morning that you don't need just to look at the weather, amen, and determine your situation, but look ahead and have future faith that God is able to bring to fulfillment every promise of His Word understood something God gave us a promise through our father Abraham that we would go for four generations we would go into Egyptian captivity but there is coming a day when things are going to turn around there is coming a day when things are not going to be as they are at this moment things are going to change so I understand and I know that that time is soon to come. I don't know if it'll be through my son. I don't know if it'll be through my family. 
But I sure am not going to stand back and allow the devil to intimidate me and keep me from living in faith. I'm going to go ahead and have a child and nurture that child. And because she had Moses, there was a man that was used of God, anointed of God, amen, and directed of God to lead his people out of 400 years of bondage in Egypt. I'm telling you, it always pays to have faith. It always pays to believe God. It always pays to trust in the Lord and His Word and stand on His promises. Oh, why don't we clap our hands to the Lord again right now. Jochebed not only had him, but she hid him. The Scripture says that for three months after the baby's birth, as long as she could, she shielded Moses from the destructive powers of the world. This little infant, so fragile. You know, it's amazing when these babies are born. I know a lot of times when we have the dedications, and I'm given that child to hold, and sometimes they're so tiny, and I, I, I just want to be careful. And it's not a time to be clumsy. And you know how fragile a child is. Not only that, not only physically, but also emotionally. Otherwise, the fragileness of an infant. And she knew this. She understood this. And so she hid him. And I want you to know where she hid him. She hid him within the four walls of her own home. Nothing was to be in this home that would be harmful for the child. Uh, my wife made reference to her sister, her older sister Carmen, and uh, I don't know if where she lives has this effect on her. She lives in the San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, she had a time when she was taking care of her son's son, and he was very little. And I'm telling you, uh, I remember what their house looked like before B.C., and after the birth of this baby. And uh, so we walked in and, and I noticed around the mantel or around the brick on the, around the fireplace, they, they had this padding stuff installed there. And on the coffee table, on the corners, there was this padding that was installed there. This kid couldn't, couldn't get hurt if he wanted to. He didn't know if he was in a house or an insane asylum. I mean, it was just... Everything was padded up. I said, boy, it's a pretty safe place. And that's, uh, that's how everything was. And, and uh, I noticed the other day she sent a picture of things have gotten back to normal and how they've moved all that, that stuff out because the child has grown. But during that time, she felt it her responsibility, and so did Moses' mother, Jochebed. She felt it her responsibility to protect this child in her home. This world is corrupt. This world is unclean. This world is cruel. It's a filthy place. One place that we must keep clean is our homes. Do you agree with me this morning? Let me, let me speak about it as where we live. I think it's important that we keep 
our homes free from some things. I'm thankful that in my home growing up, my parents, uh, my dad got the Holy Ghost when I was about four years old, maybe five. But uh, just previous to that, maybe six months earlier, my mother received the Holy Ghost and our family had begun to come into the church. But I never remember looking in the refrigerator and seeing a beer can. I never remember looking in the cabinet and seeing liquor. Our home was an alcohol-free zone because uh, my mother and father, even when as far back as my memory, and I don't have very many memories previous to that or when they were not living for God, but can I tell you I'm thankful that there was some things that they established early on uh, that this was going to be a safe home and a safe place. No drugs, no cigarettes, no, none of that. N none of those things went on. Not the influence of Hollywood. Free from violence, free from the cursing and reveling that sometimes goes on in homes. There was no, no heated arguments that, that were uh, in front of me that I ever knew of because... Because of this, they decided that they was going to have a safe place and a home that was not harmful. And I can tell you today that we've got to, we've got to do our best to implement safety precautions and make our homes the safest place that we can. A place of respect. A place of edification. Uh, you know, it's... It's not going to hurt your masculinity, sir, to compliment your wife and let your children see how much you appreciate the sacrifices and the things that, that she does for the family and the time that she spends helping and building and nurturing the home. Uh, matter of fact, it would be a good thing that they see routinely the example of you extolling your wife and edifying your wife and complimenting your wife and building her up, that'll build a wholesome respect within them for, for their mother. And I think that's so important in the world that we're living in today. And I realize we've got Father's Day coming down the line, and I'll talk about that when the time comes. But today, we're honoring mothers, and I think it's important that it start in the home. We, we, can, we can honor them one time a year, but I think we ought to honor them really with our lifestyle and the way that we live and, and the attitude that we have 365 days a year, 24-7. There ought to be respect given in our homes. Amen. There's one thing that my father didn't tolerate, and that was disrespect for my mother. Didn't tolerate it at all. Uh, there, there may be times when he was patient, when it came to talking back to him, but he was never so patient when I talked back to my mother. Matter of fact, uh, uh, the board of correction could come swiftly. He didn't really use a board. He used a belt that was about, it seemed like it was 10 feet long when he folded it over. Uh, it, 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 seemed, it seemed like it just, it, it, like a 30 out 6 every time. But, but, you know, it probably really wasn't that bad. And, you know, I can still walk today, and I'm still getting around fine, so I'm, I'm guessing it did its job. Amen. I, I believe with all of my heart that our homes ought to be a place of respect. 
There ought to not be gossip and tail-bearing goes on in our homes. Amen. Are you listening this morning? Free from critics. Free from critics of the church. You know, I know everybody's got like appendix. They've got opinions. And yours hadn't been taken out yet. But you would do yourself well if you would be someone that is encourager instead of a critic of the church because you might need that church someday. That's right. You may have to call that preacher someday. You, you may need somebody to pray for you someday. And it would be a whole lot better if you had not been critical of the church and critical of the things of God. I'm convinced that a whole lot of children are bitter today because they've heard church issues hashed out at home that should have never been discussed. That's the truth. That's the truth. And so they struggle with that. A place, the home should be a place of godliness and, and wholesomeness. should be a place that we carve out time for our family. She hid him. Yet, there comes a time when he has to be released. So, perhaps she thought within herself, what, what does God do to save someone that's been condemned to die? Because that's the circumstances of Moses. He had been condemned to die. So what does God do to save someone that's been condemned to die? And maybe her mind goes back to the story that she's heard orally transmitted to her through the years of Noah and how that he built an ark for the saving of his household and how that he took time and effort to do it according and obedient to the commands of God, all the dimensions, all of the things that was supposed to go into the ark he paid particular attention to and he built that ark for the saving of his house and the light goes on and she says well if he could do it for Noah if that's the way that he was saved perhaps I can build a small little capsule here for my son Moses and isn't it amazing that it's called an ark and, and it's pitched and, and she places uh, the baby inside that ark and then releases him upon the water. And Pharaoh's own daughter, the scripture says, came to that area where she had placed him among the reeds along the side of the river. And she heard the baby crying and had compassion. She was moved with compassion. Do you think all of this was just happenstance? Do you think all of this was just some kind of weird coincidence that it happened like this? No. It was the hand of God. Because there was a lady that said, you know what? There was a mother that said, I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to do everything according uh, to the will and the word of God that I can possibly do. There's some things I can't do. There's coming a point that I've got to take my hands off of it. I've got to release uh, Moses out into the world. I can't hide him anymore. I can't shield him anymore from the things that are out there. But God, I'm depending on your hand being upon him. I'm going to tell you, no matter what it may appear to you to be like right now, if you've raised your child in the fear and admonition 
visitation of the Lord. The Bible says that when he's old, he will not depart from it. What is that saying? That is telling us that what you planted and invested in his life is going to come to fruition at some point if you'll keep trusting God and believing God. So I'm encouraging somebody that's in this place. Your efforts in hiding, your efforts in, in trying your very best to nurture and protect, they were not in vain. Because the Lord sent this lady at the right time and her heart was touched. And Scripture says that she took this child back to the palace. But the sister of Moses, Miriam, was watching on. And she said, you're going to need a mother to nurse this child. He's, he's just an infant. He's hungry. You can tell he's crying right now. He, he, he needs nourishment. Would you like me to find some lady of the Hebrew woman, women that would nurse this child? I, I think I know somebody. And she went and she got her own mother at the permission of Pharaoh's daughter. So she had him, she hid him, and then she had the opportunity, all in the providence of God, to hold this child a little bit longer. She took advantage of this time to teach, I believe. No doubt she rehearsed just as we see it commanded later in Scripture. She rehearsed things. You know, it would be later, it would be later commanded of Israel, written actually by this man, Moses, that they would teach their children every morning, every evening. And when they were by the way, they would tell them and repeat to them, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And Him only shalt thou serve. And they would repeat that and rehearse that over and over again. That was their responsibility. And there's a lot of redundancy in that. But I'm going to say to you here this morning, it is important uh, that we understand that when we rehearse things and, and, and when, we, when we require certain things and teach things over and over again, it's not in vain. When you repeat Acts 2.38 to your children, uh, they, they may not seem like uh, that they're getting a lot out of it at the time. But I'm telling you, something's being grooved into their minds and, and the concept is getting down into their heart that this is how a person is saved. This is how a person comes to God. They, they've got to repent of their sins. They've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. They must receive the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. This becomes grooved in their mind. When you, when you quote to them John 3 and 5, that it's important that a person be born again if they're going to see the kingdom of God. These are not just vain babblings and repetition but this is something that is getting down to the heart and soaking into the soul of that child that is going to save them in the future. That's right. Praise the Lord. And I know that teaching is a challenging and sometimes arduous task but it's our responsibility. And sometimes when you're teaching, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of reward that immediately comes as a result of that. 
it doesn't seem like at the time that maybe they're getting it. But I want to encourage you, when the process has had its time to unfold and God has his way in the situation, you'll realize that your efforts are not in vain. And at the right time, you will be rewarded because we read in the end of this story. We see, we see the conclusion really in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24 by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches uh, and the treasures of Egypt. What are, you, what are you saying? I'm saying that she took that child as she nursed him and as he began to grow and as she had time to spend with him. And she tried her very best to implement certain things and, and to, to get across certain things to him. And perhaps she reminded him that you may be in Egypt, son, but I want you to remember one thing. You're not an Egyptian. I want you to remember you might, you might be here for a, a period of time but God's going to deliver his people someday and, and you're going to be a part of that generation that walks out of Egypt uh, don't get comfortable here don't, don't, don't take on this, this world's culture don't, don't take on uh, the ideas and the concepts and the philosophies of uh, Egypt uh, but, but I want you to remember you're God's uh, you've been anointed for God's purpose uh, you've got God's hand upon your life uh, there is a purpose. Me and your father, we felt it from the day you were born. We saw, it says in one place, a goodly child. And another place, a proper child. We saw there was something distinctly different about you. We didn't raise you like all the other Egyptian kids that are running around. We raised you to be a Hebrew boy. We raised you uh, to be godly. We raised you to worship Jehovah. I know there's a lot of idols and pagantry in this land but I want you to remember one thing son you're not a part of any of that don't bow your knees to any of that stand firm have faith believe God because you are a child of God and you've been called for a specific purpose you believe that this morning one of the things that stands out to me and I read it this morning and it just like almost like it was underscored it says esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. There's a couple of things that I want to unpack about that. First of all, this is generations, thousands of years before Christ. This is thousands of years before the Messiah is going to come on the scene. But the writer of Hebrews is likening the sacrifice and the reproach of coming out of Egypt and standing firm for his convictions to that of Christ. As the Bible says, he walked out of the camp bearing the reproach. As a, sacrifice, as a sacrificial lamb, can I preach to you here this morning that you've got to esteem the things of God. You've got to esteem 
the, the Word of God, the glory of God, this precious Holy Ghost, uh, the wonderful presence of the Lord. You've got to value that more than you do the things of the world. You've got to value that more than you do the temptations that are out there and the evil and the corruption and the filth that is out there. You've got to have something in you that says, uh, oh, that may sparkle, that may have shine, that may have some type of attraction, but I found something that is greater. I found something that is better. The Bible said, of the Apostle Paul that he passed by Ephesus to get to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. We know that Ephesus was a place that was worldly and had a lot of allurements, but he made up his mind. I found something better in my relationship with God than anything that Ephesians or the Ephesians can offer me. I'm going to go to Jerusalem and partake in worship to God. When you come to the house of God, you found something better than the faith of this world. When you come here and you worship the Lord and you feel the peace of His presence and the joy of the Holy Ghost, you found something better than what this world has to offer. There's no temptation. There's no sin. There's no thing that is worth me losing my relationship with the Lord. Now, if you can't clap your hands to that, if you can't worship God and you cannot praise the Lord for that, why don't we stand to our feet here this morning? Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. The treasures of Egypt were apparent, easily seen. I read one writer that said perhaps there was a time in Moses' young life that Pharaoh took him to a pinnacle overlooking Egypt or as much as could be seen with the eye and said, look at this expansive kingdom. Moses, oh boy, this is all going to be yours one day. This is yours to inherit. This is yours to have. Looks over there and he sees all of those beautiful structures. He knows that this is the wealthiest of all the civilizations of the world. Egypt was noted in its time for being the wealthiest. He knew the power that this Pharaoh had. But he could not escape his mother's voice. He said, yeah, you may be in Egypt. You may be an heir to the throne. But you're not made to be their leader. You're made to be God's man. You're made to be a leader anointed to lead the people out. And because of her faith, we read about his faith. Because of her convictions, we read about his convictions. Because of her commitment, we read about his commitment. Because of her being willing to take a stand we read about his being willing to take a stand. So a lot of things start with the mom. A lot of things start with the mother saying, you know what? I'm going to be God's vessel in my home. I'm going to be God's anointed in my family. 
I'm going to take my role seriously and live for God wholeheartedly. Why don't we lift up our hands right now? Come on, all across this place. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord. Let's thank Him right now. Let's thank Him right now. God, give me strength. Give me the ability. Give me the wherewithal. Give me the fortitude. Give me the faith to stand strong in this hour. I don't want to fold under pressure. I don't want to give in to the conveniences and allow my convictions and the things that you placed in my heart to be compromised. But God, help me to stand fervent for you because I know that my child and my family is going to be affected by it. Amen. Amen. I wonder if we couldn't gather around this altar this morning. I wonder if there's somebody that feels challenged here today in your heart. And you would just gather with your families around this altar. Maybe we could come in close and, and just allow the presence of the Lord to, to move in the deep of our spirit and minister to us today. I thank God for every mother that when the times were tough, when the pressure was on, when it looked like it was a hopeless situation, they continued to pray. They continued to have faith. They continued to believe. They continued to stand strong. Come on in closer. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's spend some time talking to the Lord right now. Would you lift up your voice to Him? Thank you, Jesus. 